Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. It's showtime, folks. Enjoy the show. I need to start wearing aluminum foil on my head. Maybe that's it. Can I Can I tell you, happy Saturday, Saturday matinee to you both. Uh, but first, uh, Steve, Andy, it's good to hear your voices as always. Well, it's it's good to hear your voice, Andy. You know. <laughs> Questionable. When I hear it, it sounds good. My, uh, my first uh, truly moving cinematic experience, may, may I tell you? 
Please. Uh, what, what year did uh, Superman come out? 78. So, right, right, right. So, so then it would have hit Betamax. Oh, probably, my goodness. I was probably, what, 10? <laughs> 79, maybe? No, no, no. Know, no, no, be, no. 82, 82. Okay. Betamax was 82? Okay. Anyway, we had... I, no, I, I have was, no idea. I was in the... Uh, let's just say I was seven or eight years old, and my dad, you know, he was in the television business and always had tapes and things flying around it. And so our very first machine was a Betamax machine, and he bought uh, a couple of movies, one of one of them being Superman, the, the movie, the motion picture, and uh, my most moving home movie experience. I had just gotten out of the shower, and I walked into our basement uh, uh, where the television was, and the rabbit ears were pointed out over the television and was touching my wet hair, and I turned it on <laughs> to watch Superman, and I... That shocked the crap out of me. <laughs> that was my How, my you first. You got shocked my, by the rabbit ears. I did. There was some sort of a some sort of a I don't know static some buildup. It was a it was a plot device. It was a science fiction plot device that shocked my head, knocked and you me gained to the ground. Superpowers and I right? yeah, gained superpowers right. because of that. And yeah. now and now every time I get online for a voice chat, I screw up Andy's connection. <laughs> <laughs> that is my superpower. It's the worst superpower ever. I was. It's very isolated. It's and like the. Uh, the I was. The I character. was. The, I was the first voted off of the Runaways. <laughs> it's like what was that character in uh, um, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy or in that series who. It wasn't really a superpower, but this guy had this power that he never knew, but it was to draw bad weather to him. And everywhere he went, <laughs> oh, bad yes. weather yes. always yes. followed him around. <laughs> yes. I love yes. that. Yes. Pete just disrupts the internet wherever he goes. I, I also make all carbonated drinks go flat immediately. <laughs> when I walk into a restaurant, all drinks get boring. That's, Those are that's my a terrible superpower. Yeah, no. Uh, what what's new in your movie lives? Well, I went to see uh, Only the Brave yesterday, which uh, you know it's it's a Phoenix or it's an Arizona based story. Uh, sadly, not filmed in Arizona, but still, it's it's a uh, really uh, it's a really powerful film. I I really just connected with it. It's about the Granite Mountain hotshots who um, all perished in a giant uh, flame a few years back uh, when they were trying to stop a fire from burning the town of Yarnell. And, and so I went and saw that and it just, it was a really fantastic film. Um, I, I would hope that it's going to get some popularity and, and find its audience and uh, be something that people will talk about at award season, because I think it certainly warrants it. So uh, that's what I've been up to. Why wasn't it filmed I, in Arizona? Everything's Nobody films filmed. in Arizona. No, no, come no. On. nothing's Arizona? filmed in Arizona. No, no, no nothing films. <laughs> nothing's filmed here. New Anything Mexico has set- great incentives, and Arizona has none. Oh, yeah. So that's if it what looks it like Arizona, it's, it's New, New Mexico. Mexico. Yeah, yeah. No. brilliant. Yeah, you go New Mexico. <sighs> yeah, yeah. You guys probably should move. <laughs> probably. <laughs> what about you, Steve? Uh, I, I took a challenge and i decided to watch raw oh because hey, it was avail- right. yeah. available on netflix and i had heard just that this was a really intense and gruesome film to watch and i do not usually go for those types of things but i loved it really it's, yes it is much more than it appears 
from the trailers. There's a lot going on in that film, and it it is a it is a tough watch. There are some scenes that I, yeah do not eat before watching this movie, <laughs> and you probably won't have much of an appetite after. But I was really thrilled with the character and story. It's it's definitely worth checking out because it's it's not what I it's not all about the the gore and it doesn't just go to shock and gross you out. There's there's an interesting story in there. Have you seen that yet, Andy? No, it's been on my list, and it's uh, now that it's on on uh, Netflix, it's uh, it's shot up. So it's it's going to be something I'm going to try to cross off the list sometime soon because I've been pretty excited about that one since it came out. Is that going to be a a trailer rewind? Are you going to get JJ to watch that one? You think? Oh gosh, no, I, I, I don't think I I no he he'll never talk to me again if I do that to him. I I don't think I can make him do that. It, it's and it was, and I think. Well, what pushed me over the edge to watching it is that it's uh, about a girl going off to school to be a veterinarian and sort of this hazing, sort of the, what you get from the trailer is there's, she's a a vegetarian or vegan and there's a hazing ritual where basically all the like first year students have to like eat some piece of like animal. And uh, I have a personal connection to this because I, my oldest daughter is, we're currently going through the process of looking at colleges and she does want to be a veterinarian. And so I watched this and thought, do, do I do I make her watch this? You <laughs> totally make her watch that. Scare oh, her, and, yeah. then, and then she then she never leaves home, which I don't want. <laughs> I don't want to give her a false impression of what goes on at college because no, this does not happen. But uh, I thought, oh, it might she might have a nice little connection to it. No, that's the worst parenting choice ever. <laughs> if I made her watch <laughs> this, if I said, hey, we're going to sit down and watch this together, no. Yeah, no, horrible. Sure, this doesn't happen in college until your daughter saw Raw. <laughs> There's always a first, Steve. How do you oh, know man. she's not patient zero in this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No. That's fantastic. Well, uh, we have a couple of things to follow up on. I, I have two notes. One is con follow-up, and two is Steve is very unhappy. Those are the two bullets I have on my list, besides, uh, obviously, <laughs> the numbers and trailers. Where would you like to start, Steve? Do you want to get yours out of the way? or Sure, because it, it sort of connects to Andy's activities of, of seeing only the brave. Outstanding. I, I, I went to go look to see what's opening this weekend, because, you know, is there something worth seeing out there? What's going on at the box office? And movies that we've talked about recently that were coming out this weekend— Tragedy Girls, Wonderstruck, Killing of a Sacred Deer, all open this weekend, apparently extremely limited, nowhere near me. I live in Phoenix, the fifth largest city in the country, and none of these films are found to be here anywhere. So, you know why that is? Why? Because we're not on a coast, <laughs> so, therefore the, we're not important. But here's the thing. So I, I went and looked and said, okay, maybe these films just aren't doing well and there's so I, I i did my research i went to rotten tomatoes i went to metacritic tragedy girls 83 percent on rotten tomatoes 24 out of 29 it's got a 7.4 out of 10 metacritic it's at a 55 but only five reviews but wonderstruck 69 percent on rotten tomatoes which is sort of in that range 56 out of 81 reviews a 6.5 out of 10 a metacritic rating of 74 killing of a sacred deer 75 percent on rotten tomatoes 59 out of 59 out of 79 it's got an eight out of 10 on 
rating. Metacritic, it's 79 based on 26 critics. And then you look at what's out. Geostorm, 13% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is 4 out of 31, with a 3.7 out of 10. Metacritic gives it a 21 based on 17 critics. Snowman, 9%, which is 11 out of 117 reviews. It's got a 3.2 out of 10. Metacritic gives it a 24 based on 34 critics. So the movies that are out there that I can go see Geostorm and The Snowman are garbage. And the things that I want to see that are critics are agreeing, these are films worth seeing based on these reviews. No, they're not out there. So when studios and theaters are complaining about poor box office, it's like, well, because you're putting out the movies nobody wants to see and you're hoarding the things that are getting good reviews that people will probably go show up to see because they look really interesting, but they're not there. I'm I'm not happy. <laughs> this is what that sounds like. You know what is interesting about that, though, is and and I want to get your comment in here, Andy, because you are not on a coast, and and I don't understand why you don't count. You're not important because you also you may not get the movies when they're released, but it seems like you get all the test screenings. What's that all about? <laughs> like, Steve, your problem is you didn't go to enough test screenings. You probably would already have seen these movies. You just wouldn't have known it until the moment they start. <laughs> no, because I would have showed up and like, ooh, maybe I'm going to see Wonderstruck. Oh, no, it's Geostorm. Yeah, it would have been Geostorm yeah, that, three yeah, times. Yeah, exactly. That's what it would yes, have been. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's the problem. The test screenings are usually for those big films like Geostorm, and rarely are they for things like, uh, you know, uh, Tragedy Girls yeah, or... Right. Or something that's a little more limited, but might actually be worth our time. Uh, so it's you know it's just one of those frustrating things. Um, it's you know I, I don't know. I, I was looking at the movies uh, it, playing in the theaters yesterday, and I yeah I was shocked that Geostorm had so many screens because it looks so terrible. And I feel like that's just destined to bomb. But I just like why can't they at least give one of those screens? to you know something like the killing of a sacred deer because uh, that's got nothing but incredible reviews and yes it may look a little strange and maybe it's harder to draw in its audience but at least it's giving people the option you know i don't know it's frustrating but hey boo 2 opened and that's uh looking to uh, dominate this weekend so there you go oh god that's horrible <laughs> well you know i will say kudos to tyler perry for finding his audience yeah. knowing what they want to see making it cheap and making money almost every time so. Smart dude. Very yeah. smart dude. Um, well, uh, I, I'm not, I haven't seen anything. Everybody's, uh, however, the opportunity is ripe. Everybody's leaving town. So I've got, I've got the week to myself. I'm going to have to catch up on all of these things. Yeah, you can uh, finally see it. Yeah, <laughs> that, might, that might be on the list. Let's just say it might be on the list. Um, I do want to talk, we got a little bit of feedback on Khan. Were you surprised by the uh, sort of bifurcated feedback on uh, the Wrath of, of Khan remake uh, Into Darkness? No, uh, you mean just the fact that, um, I, well, I think the thing is, and, and I kind of pointed it out, for people who never saw um, the Wrath of Khan before they came to uh, Star Trek Into Darkness, they kind of like, oh, it's kind of a fun movie. You know, they can still enjoy it. But and and I think that's where the, the bifurcation happen, happens, because some of those the people who saw Wrath of Khan can mm -hmm. see nothing but kind of all the, the retread that they're doing terribly. Yeah. So I guess I'm not surprised. I'm not either. I'm disappointed. I'm sad. I'm sad that those people don't have the experience of the better film first. But I started what reading uh, way too late after we'd recorded all this stuff. 
I started learning even more about Khan and uh, the the sort of <laughs> retroactive continuity that developed about Khan, which we should have talked about during the show, but I didn't know it at the time. Uh, and so I wanted to just drop some Khan knowledge bombs today, if that's all right. <laughs> the uh, Khan knowledge bomb The Khan section. knowledge bomb. Are you ready? Here's, here you go. First of all, as it turns out, sometime after Space Seed and the Wrath of Khan... Uh, the uh, writers, which still are considered in canon, these particular writers uh, around um, uh, around the, some of the novels, uh, actually developed Khan's story. Uh, that Khan comes from a, a Sikh family, and uh, he was, uh, and and Khan itself is a title, an honorific, not part of his name. So his name is Nunian Singh. And we call him Khan Nunyan Singh, like Sir uh, Alec Guinness or Dame Judy Dinch, Khan Nunyan Singh. That, more than anything else, blew my mind. Because I know I'm a little bit simple, but that blew my mind. I did not know, <laughs> did not know that. And it turns out, do you know what the eugenics wars were? It was all the, the super strong people fighting each other, right? They would. They, it, over the course of about a decade, they all, uh, all of the 74 uh, super uh, genetically engineered super people became presidents and rulers of countries around uh, the world, and their ambition grew too strong. They started fighting one another and leading their countries to war between 1992 and 96, according to this uh, retconned universe, uh, Khan actually had uh, about a uh, ruled a quarter of the earth's population uh, and so that's that is what the eugenics wars were was all the the genetically engineered people fighting one another and uh, Khan and his 74 you know most ardent followers uh, said you know the only way we're going to get out of this alive um, is to put ourselves into this cryogenic um, freeze state and get off the planet and get way 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 far away from here and so that's what they did. Uh, so that's pre-Space Seed, which I thought was really kind of interesting. I didn't know that it was self-imposed uh, at the time. All right. So I'm not up on my Star Trek as much as I should be. It's been a long time since I watched, you know, Next Generation. But wasn't Data's creator like Dr. Noonien Singh or something really similar to that? Because I figured if Khan was the first name, then they <laughs> no, were just... No, yeah, uh, it's uh, uh, Song, Dr. Sung, Dr. Sung, oh, S-O-O-N-G. Oh, oh, so, uh, so we're really Sing Song Eric, in Eric Star Trek Sung. <laughs> We're Sing Sung. <laughs> His name is Eric Sung, uh, A-R-I-K-S-O-O-N-G. Yes, that was, oh, okay. <laughs> that was great. Uh, but he was also played by Brent Spiner. Right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So... Not the same guy, but that was good. It's funny, and I I think what you and I were laughing about when you discovered this funny little fact is that it makes the title The Wrath of Khan sound really dumb when you put any <laughs> other title in place of Khan. The Wrath of Mr., The Wrath of Sir. The Wrath <laughs> you know? of Admiral. Right. <laughs> it's, it's just terrible. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. That is... 
Wow, worst title ever. Yeah, it, it really, this, you, you've retconned yourself into a corner there, uh, uh, Star Trek. Well done. Um, so that was that was what we thought of. Uh, I thought that was interesting. Uh, but it is not what Gene Roddenberry had intended. Khan's full name was based on that of Kim Noonien Singh, a pilot that Roddenberry served with during the Second World War. Roddenberry lost touch with his friend and had hoped that Khan's similar name might attract his attention and renew his old acquaintance. And so, uh, according to Roddenberry, it doesn't say this outright, but my, uh, you know, it sounds to me that Roddenberry considered Khan part of the name, um, just like his buddy Kim Noonien Singh. So that was like the most expensive like, classified <laughs> ad ever exactly. of like, hey, remember we were friends in the war? That's right. You know, here's how to find me. Every, every, movie, to... every movie is a letter in a bottle in some way, Steve. We know this. Okay. So that makes the movie Message in a Bottle like a double message in a bottle. <laughs> it is. That's exactly right. A message in a bottle wow. in a bottle is what that is. That's, the That's cu- fantastic. The Cuddy Sark on the deck of a Cuddy Sark in a bottle. That is what that is. <laughs> Uh, I have been uh, watching, uh, we should put these in the notes for this one. If you haven't watched the CGP Grey uh, Transporter Death Machine video, <laughs> that has given me oh, nightmares so all week. I don't. I remember I watched this when it first came out and I was really moved by it, um, which is the, uh, the, the video where he explains that the transporter, uh, by its definition, its existence, it has to be a suicide machine in order to work. And... Uh, and then he goes into the really dark place of what if, what if every time you go to sleep, you actually die and the person who wakes up is just a clone of yourself waking up with brand new eyes and all the memories of the guy who died yesterday. So I told my kids that and now I gave them both oh. nightmares. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just keep earning that best out of the year award, don't you? <laughs> But I said it with great curiosity. Kids, let me tell you a little something. So tell me what you think about this. And my son goes into buffering mode, you know, where his eyeballs turn into spinning beach balls. <laughs> yeah, not not quite ready. Not quite oh, ready man. for some of that stuff. Anyway, uh, shall, shall we talk about trailers? Yes, let's. Or do, we, or do you have more box office to talk about? No, I think that's it. Okay. I, you know, I'll be curious to see uh, which of the new movies ends up on top. Um, if anything, we'll be able to uh, kind of beat out uh, Boo 2. Boo 2 is probably going to top the box office. Uh, his first, Tyler Perry's first um, Halloween film uh, that he did, I think it was just, uh, I can't remember if it was last year, but uh, that one was a really surprising hit for um, October. Um, Happy Death Day is probably going to do well. I'd like to think that only the Brave is going to break in there somewhere, but I think it's going to be a kind of a slow burn with that one because it's probably mostly attracting wah, wah, older wah, people. Wah. I know. <laughs> slow burn. But Geostorm will probably do well, unfortunately. Man, isn't it and, great that Geostorm is at the top of the box office this weekend and we have a list that essentially where Geostorm is the crown prince of that list. <laughs> <laughs> Amen to that, brother. <laughs> All right, Andy, why don't you do your your trailer first? Well, I uh, you know, every time a new A24 trailer comes out, I get very excited. And I've been hearing about the Ballad of Lefty Brown uh for a little while, probably since uh it it uh, premiered at South by Southwest back in March. 
Uh, it sounds like a really interesting Western, and it kind of got me excited, but I just it, there wasn't much out there until finally this trailer hit. Um, I knew A24 had acquired it to uh, distribute, and uh, now the trailer's finally out there, and it looks just fantastic. Bill Pullman is the title character, Lefty Brown, who is kind of the deputy for uh, a sheriff who gets gunned down. And, and he is not, uh, Bill Pullman is not kind of the, uh, the sort of person that you'd want to replace the sheriff. He's, he's a little, uh, I, I don't want to say inept, but he's just not kind of the brave character. And he really has to, uh, you know, step up and really kind of become the leader that these people need so that, and, and go after the, uh, the person who killed the sheriff. And, uh, I just I love seeing Bill, Bill Pullman playing this character. It looks like such a, a different kind of character for him. He's kind of taken on this different voice that I think is really interesting. He's also working off of uh, opposite Peter Fonda and Jim Caviezel and uh, Kathy Baker, Tommy Flanagan. Looks like a, a, a really interesting cast. They filmed it up in Montana. The vistas look gorgeous. Um, and I, I always love a good Western, and this looks like something that I'm going to really enjoy. So um, that's my pick, The Ballad of Lefty Brown. What do you guys think? Yeah, it's interesting because it, it takes that approach from sort of the sidekick having to become the hero because I get the sense from the the trailer that Peter Fonda is the you know heroic sheriff and Bill Pullman is sort of the the deputy sidekick that's always been there all along but now he's got a he's got this burden of sort of avenging the death of his his partner and I, I like the trailer sort of structured in terms of how he sort of builds up this posse sort of a posse of misfits uh that come together and I think that that's what's really appealing to me about this is these interesting characters that are that are uniting to go, you know, on this vengeful quest to, to hunt down whoever it was that shot the sheriff. So, yeah, I, I think it, it's a different type of Western. So I, it's something I'll, you know, it's not one of my high demand got to get out and see right away, but definitely something that I'm going to put on that list of, you know, when it's available streaming or a video someplace. It'll be on the, yeah, I feel like a Western. I'll check that out. There you go. Uh, Steve, clearly, we know who shot the sheriff, and he did not shoot the deputy. <laughs> it's true. I it's just want to make sure that going into this movie, that that question is answered. I, oh, dear. I oh, a, dear. I, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, you know, th- I don't know. This is one of those movies that I feel like going to see it, I would probably really enjoy it, but I'm not sure it trailered well for me. Uh, I didn't find a, like that real spark. It seemed like uh, uh, it, it, it didn't move quite enough uh, uh, for me in the trailer, but I, but I'm with you. Like the cast looks great. The, I, I'm a fan of the Westerns and I, I think, I, I think I would really enjoy this, especially seeing Bill Pullman in this kind of a role. Um, I, I just didn't get the, I didn't get the spark from the trailer and, and um, it's probably one of those movies that I would watch uh, on Netflix and really regret not seeing it in the theater. Yeah, I think the vistas are going to really shine on the big screen. Um, and, you know, it, it might be, I, I don't know if it's going to be a real like character Western, like a slow paced character Western, but I'm hoping it's going to have a little bit of that, that unforgiven vibe, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. just a little bit uh, of, you know, he's got to kind of get these, uh, I don't want to call them misfits, but just kind of, a, you know, the the people you wouldn't normally pull together for your posse to go after somebody. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, it, it's got me quite excited. But uh, yeah, it's going to be uh, opening uh, December 15th. So uh, probably not a huge release, but definitely something I'm looking forward to. Outstanding. Steve? So I'm bringing in something unusual because it's a documentary. 
And that's not something that we typically talk about on the show, but this one just really stood out for me. And this is the Netflix movie, Jim and Andy, The Great Beyond, with a very special contractually obligated mention of Tony Clifton. And this is a behind the scenes look at how Jim Carrey really became Andy Kaufman during the shooting of Milos Forman's 1999 film, Man on the Moon. What I didn't know, and is apparently according to the trailer all this behind the scenes footage has been locked away and unavailable and now it's being released for the first time and part of it is because of some of the behind the camera shenanigans the of of jim carrey and what makes this really interesting for me is not only do i i love man on the moon which to me is an underrated film that really deserves rediscovery to me, it's one of the three three great biopics from the 90s that Scott Alexander and Larry Karaszewski wrote, which was uh, Ed Wood, uh, People vs. Larry Flint, and Man on the Moon. But Andy Kaufman is such an interesting character, and his style of comedy was so unconventional and just mysterious that it appears that a lot of that carried over into the making of this film so that Jim Carrey and his embodiment of Andy Kaufman was pulling all kinds of weird, disruptive stunts during the making of this movie. And just the way that this trailer is setting this up as, oh, the footage that has been hidden away for 20 years, I have to question you know, so much about what is real and what is not in terms of what we're getting in ter- you know, with this behind the states behind the scenes approach to this, it feels very much in the vein of something that Andy Kaufman would do would be to to fabricate something to create a, a reaction. And I, I like that approach to how they're presenting this documentary. I, I don't know. I feel like I'm I question uh, I questioned at the time uh, Jim Carrey's authenticity. Uh, in in the film because it, it felt like at the on one hand he was totally destined to play this character and on the other hand he was he was definitely um, you know putting on airs and playing a role and and it was you know something for him to you know was it just him sort of grabbing the spotlight in a kind of inauthentic and unnatural way I'm with you the movie ended up being great um, but I I always sort of questioned. And I think I always question when you hear actors who are so sort of method that they put themselves in the character all the time and, you know, they pull out their own teeth for the role. And I mean, those sorts of things. I'm I all, I'm a little bit circumspect by all of them. I feel like this uh, this is a, a little bit of Jim Carrey's therapy uh, to, to kind of process the experience. And the trailer made it sort of started to answer that question for me that that he really went to as a result of this film, went to a kind of dark place and, um, uh, you know, in, in embodying um, Andy Kaufman and in all of his ups and downs. And, and so it, I think that it looks just riveting to me, and I, I cannot wait to see it. Yeah, I it, uh, I got uh, pretty excited seeing this uh, this trailer, and it really piqued my curiosity. You know, why uh, after all this time has uh, Universal decided to re- let the footage be released? Like, I mean, they obviously had been kind of keeping it from uh, everybody for an awful long time. What was the the uh, contributing factor that finally got them to say, okay, we'll release the footage now? Um, I don't know what that is, but it certainly piqued my curiosity. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on here. I thought uh, I, I wasn't completely in love with the movie, but I did think it was a very interesting um, um, biopic. And I certainly thought Jim Carrey uh, was kind of uh, just kind of revelatory in his performance. 
And, uh, you know, knowing all of that and kind of getting some of the behind the scenes stuff um, from this, I, I don't know, I just I, I'm really curious now about more of the story. And it actually makes me really want to go revisit Man on the Moon. I think, you know, Andy, your question, I had the same question. Why now? And so I looked into like, where's this movie coming from and who's behind it? And the director is Chris Smith, who's last film uh or something he did before was a movie called well he did american movie which is a documentary never never saw but he also did the yes men which was that those sort of prankster guys that would go around to conferences pretending to be members of like a trade organization or some type of and they were basically sort of uh disrupting pranksters that would pretend to be something and go very extreme so it's sort of that Andy style of humor of I'm going to present myself as something that I'm not to sort of disrupt things and cause trouble. And so, which is to me, another level of, he seems like a good fit as a director, but then again, is this part of a larger prank in itself? And that's the sort of meta thing that I'm interested in seeing where this documentary goes, how serious does it take itself? Or is it just really universal finding Mm -hmm. found a director to, to toy with us again, as part of a larger plan. Who has the yeah. better beard, uh, Letterman or Kerry? <laughs> oh, I think I think Letterman's got the crazy old man beard. I think his has really gone gone wild. I'll have to go with Letterman. You're gonna go Letterman? I think mm. I'm gonna go Letterman. These guys we'll are these guys are one two in entertainment though. They are aspirational yeah. beards. However, you put it, <laughs> aspirational beards. It's September or it's October, uh, and September one triggers the the Pete Wright beard season. And so I'm I'm dutifully trying to catch up right now, uh, but I, I'm I'm coming up short, as it were. <laughs> uh, my trailer is the uh, it's a Norwegian entry for the best foreign language film at the upcoming 90th Academy Awards. It is directed and written by Joachim Trier, who is yes a distant relative of Lars von Trier. Uh, that should tell you something. I don't know how distant. Nobody seems to want to talk about it. Uh, but he's he is in the family, and uh, it is a film called Thelma. Uh, a Norwegian student, Thelma, moves to Oslo, where she falls in love with another girl. She soon discovers that she has inexplicable powers triggered by her emotions for this girl. That is the that is the plot summary. I thought that uh, you know this is I actually picked this trailer immediately after we recorded last Saturday. It was one of those things where YouTube was still open and the trailer I'd picked had already, you know, finished and it was on the the trailer or the the here are the next nine movies, your nine videos on YouTube you should click. And this was one of them. And it was like her in a pool and I thought, hey, that looks interesting and I clicked it. I immediately added this as a trailer because uh, I th- first thought it was the story of a young student going to college and discovering she has some sort of uh, uh, learning disability or learning disorder like ADHD. And then it turned into something bananas. And I realized, hey, it is a girl with ADHD. That's awesome. That's what it feels like. So I showed it to my daughter and she said, yeah, that's pretty much what it feels like. <laughs> so uh, this became a, a bananas metaphor uh, for um, brain conditions, and I totally fell in love with it, even though it's got some really starkly kind of horrifying imagery. It felt like a cross between, um, uh, I, I don't know. See, I, I ran out of runway on the cross between. One of them was going to be American Horror Story, and the other one was probably going to be something like Dawson's Creek. Uh, and... Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> I, wow. I found myself weirdly moved by this movie, and it's been a long time since I've I picked a trailer for a, a, a current release uh, a foreign film, and I'm very excited about it. Bring it on. Uh, what did you guys think about it? Oh, I loved it. I, I thought that it just, it just felt like the life inside of a teenage girl. You know, yeah. There's something about kind of just the emotions that she's going through and trying to deal with this supposed power or whatever it is that she has. It really just was exploring things in a really interesting way. And and I've only seen uh, one of uh, Trier's other films, and that was Oslo, August 31st, which just it was an incredibly uh, powerful film. It was uh, kind of... Uh, depressing uh, as I'll get out, but really just a strong film. I really liked it. Um, and so, uh, so I feel like he can bring solid stuff to the table and, and watching this trailer, I'm like, I feel like he's really tapped in well with these characters and, and, uh, it just, I mean, yeah, it struck me as just a, a strong film that, uh, is on my list now. So, uh, yeah, I, I quite enjoyed the trailer. When you take Steve. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it- an interesting, you know, as a parent of teenagers, uh, it's to look at the transformation that they go through is sort of akin to having weirdly uncontrollable, strange superpowers that cause chaos and disrupt your life. And I think it really taps into that metamorphosis or transformation that kids go through as they're trying to find out who they are. So I, I think it's a nice fit within that, you know, superhero genre. As soon as I watched this, I thought, of course, this is in Pete's wheelhouse. It's got superheroes. It's, it's <laughs> right right there for him. But it, it does have a darker approach. So it does remind me of the uh, trailer for the New Mutants, which is sort of has that horror style. The feel to this really reminded me of uh, the vampire one from years ago, uh, Let the Right One In, which oh, is yeah. again yep. sort of that, that it's got that same feel to it of a loner that's isolated and, and finds somebody. And that's just a triggering event for all kinds of craziness that goes on. So yeah, some just great visuals to this. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about this and something that perhaps this is one I can sit down and watch with my kids. That's true. This is a perfect one for kids. I think uh, this, uh, let's see, the release date. It's been uh, floating around festivals all throughout the, the bottom half of, of, um, uh, of the year. Uh, it opens November 10th in the U.S., limited, it says in parentheses, probably not Phoenix. Huh, that's funny. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'll be grumpy again. Really tying a bow around that one. Um, uh, but it's, uh, it, it's available. It's around. You should be able to, to find it. And November 10th, a little bit uh, more broadly in the U.S., uh, but it's um, it's been at the film festivals all around the world uh, for the last uh, couple months. So uh, looks like it's it's interesting. Thelma, uh, put it on the list. There you go. Fantastic. Speaking of lists, let's do ours. Andy, what was our list for this week? Well, we just loved the trans warp drive in Star Trek Into Darkness, Pete. Really central so, to the plot. Uh, <laughs> really just. So we went with, uh, you know, really dumb sci-fi technology that is involved in the plot in some way. So that's that's what we did for our list. It'll make for an interesting set of things to talk about here. <laughs> I, uh, I I know I broke something doing this list. Like this was really hard. Was this easy for you guys? It was it was a hard thing to search for. Like I, I was like yeah. racking my brains and I ended up finding some that I'm pretty proud of, but it certainly is my shortest list that I've uh, found thus far. Okay. Well, 
Uh, do, uh, Steve, I, I feel like I have yeah. nothing to uh, nothing to lose here to let you go first. So <laughs> because we will all have the same. We, we might all. Have the same uh, well, I don't know. A- Andy may have found some interesting outside things. I okay. was racking my brain because I thought this is the trope from like late '80s, early '90s bad science fiction films where it was like straight to video there's gonna be and i'm racking my brain trying to find anything and i i couldn't come up with anything and i ended up with films that i was surprised are on this list but i sort of nitpicked some things so my first one is one that i think i've mentioned maybe in conversations before but it's one that's really problematic for me and that's the sleep inducing alpha rhythm generator from back to the future 2 which is the device that Doc Brown uses to put Jennifer to sleep because the writers found themselves in the position of, well, at the end of Back to the Future, Jennifer hops into the the DeLorean with Marty and, and Doc, and then we get to 2015, and all of a sudden, we don't know what to do with her, so we need to get rid of her. So let's just knock her out and make her <laughs> unconscious for a while because we don't know what to do with this character in the story. So they had a plot issue, and to me, this was just like a ridiculous device to to deal with a plot inconvenience to, so that they can tell the story that they really wanted to tell. I I think that holds. I think Absolutely. that holds. Yeah. And you know, there's a lot from Back to the Future 2 that we could probably <laughs> put on this list. <laughs> oh. Uh, all right, Pete. All right. Okay. Uh, well, mine, my first one, my number three pick is actually not, uh, in hindsight, it's not a a brand new amazing piece of technology. Uh, it, it is in fact one of the most uh, mundane and frustrating pieces of technology that we all deal with used in a ridiculous way. Uh, and that is of course, email in Mission Impossible. Uh, Tom, <laughs> yes. you know what I'm talking yes. about? <laughs> yes. Tom Cruise uh, it has to write an email. Uh, first he checks, I think Usenet uh, for Job and comes up with nothing for his big secret. And and then he decides, you know, I'm just going to send an email and he sends it to max at Job space three colon 14 and manages to get a response. And that even then made, uh, made me uh, really, really upset, like really upset. And and it to this day it stands out as one of the central bits of frustration in that movie. And there were a lot of frustrations in that movie. It does not hold up well. So funny. He got the at uh, sign told- right. He did get the at yes. sign right. Yes, that's, we'll give him that. Well, my uh, my number three on my list. Uh, this is a film that you wouldn't really call a science fiction film. Uh, by almost any stretch of the imagination, except it does have a piece of sci-fi technology in it that it's, I guess it was really interesting and exciting at the time, but in, in context of the film, it, it kind of makes sense. But at the same time, it's just, it's really just kind of put there to just be cool, I think. And it just ends up being kind of stupid. And this is in the, uh, I guess you would call it an erotic thriller, uh, uh, Disclosure, 1994 with Michael Douglas and Demi Moore. Oh, that's and I my picked this. Oh, Andy, I can't believe you picked that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! And there's this there's this part of the movie where, for some reason, that oh, and it's like a computer company, so it, to a certain extent, it makes sense. But they have decided to put like all their their data banks 
in this virtual reality uh, like warehouse basically and and Michael Douglas has to has to sneak into this virtual reality place and find these files and he's going around this place and of course Demi Moore her avatar pops in and she's actually already deleting the files and it's this big thing like she can't see him he can see her somehow and uh, it was just it was it it seemed cool at the time but in retrospect it just is like just such a, a you know, silly plot device that's in there just to kind of look cool and hip at the time and everything just was dumb. But, um, but it, I, it was cool at the time, I guess. But anyway, that's my number three disclosure. <laughs> I love that pick because the entire purpose uh, of, of that entire Digicom virtual reality, like why would you possibly think that the future involves going into a virtual reality filing cabinet and still having to walk around to get your files, like walk and around still, in these virtual hallways and open stupid filing. We right. do that now, you idiots. Oh, I know. It's so dumb. Like, yeah, they're actually pulling open file drawers and like going through the file. It's like, what? You have used the miracle of technology to solve exactly nothing. You have solved nothing. But the best was the big, the big moment at the end. It was, uh, it was Michael Douglas, uh, his perfectly realized virtual reality avatar against the skeleton of with the terrible face of Demi Moore, <laughs> who didn't even know he was there. Like that was a, oh. oh, it was awful. It was terrible. It really was. And it was also the coolest movie I'd ever seen up to that point. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Steve. Okay. This this one. Uh just made me groan like out loud in the theater while watching this film uh, because I have the utmost respect for Apple computers and I know that you know they're they're built on you know code that's out there but the fact that a Apple laptop could interface and upload a virus to alien spaceships is the most ridiculous <laughs> thing that has ever happened in a plot to save the world so Independence Day Jeff Goldblum can somehow get his laptop to interface and he's coded a virus that will disable the alien ships. It's just. Well, he did it. And the alien ships were, I think running windows. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) See now if he, if he had sent, you know, sort of like the, the Nigerian Prince email scam, that would have been believable. Yeah. That would have been more likely. Yes. So funny. Well done. That's a good one. Well, my number two pick was actually Disclosure. Uh, so well done, Andy. Uh, I, my bo- I'm going to insert a bonus pick in here, uh, which is, you know, what is it a, that a programmer needs to extract the personalities from 200 deceased criminals just to allow us to see Russell Crowe as a nutcase? This is, of course, <laughs> virtuosity. Uh, and uh, I, it's one of those where um, it was th- that was the reward. The reward was Russell Crowe in itself. The movie was just terrible. <laughs> I don't remember much about that movie other than oh. it really wasn't very good. Yes. No. <laughs> That's got Denzel in it, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah. It's a Denzel. Yeah, okay. It is another Denzel. Denzel and uh, Russell. Okay. Hot yeah. take. Yeah. All right. Oh, dear. A- Andy? My number two pick is is a movie that uh, Steven Spielberg did that I you know I feel like there were some moments in it that really worked, but I feel like there I, I get frustrated with it because I find there's so many moments that just are overwhelmingly frustrating, and it is his his big sci-fi film that he took over from Stanley Kubrick AI artificial <gasps> intelligence. 
How dare you? This film, there, there's a lot of a lot of good stuff in it, but unfortunately, there's a lot of bad stuff. And the bad thing, the, the really bad sci-fi that just really just uh, irked me to no end is, of course, the awful, I guess you could call it cameo appearance by Robin Williams as none other than Dr. No. That's right. He is Dr. K-N-O-W. No, he is the, the uh, you know, the future search engine that not only do you have to pay for, but he's elusive as hell and and gives you really just dumb answers. It's like, you know, a carnival show. And it was so frustrating that, like, this is what people do to find information. It's like a phone book that that won't quite give you the right answer. It's like, oh, you said Andy Nelson. I'm going to give you the first one, but there's actually 10. <laughs> oh, it was so dumb. I, I was so irritated by Dr. No through the whole thing. So that's my number two. Yes, he is problematic. I will give you that. That feels terrible. Oh. Okay. All right, Steve. Oh, I'm going to upset. I've got two, and I'm going to upset people with either one. Uh, well, that's exciting. And the thing is, they're both based on books, so it's not necessarily the film's fault. It's There's plot. Uh, all right, I'm going to go with... Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban and Hermione's Time Turner. That <laughs> it shows up for the one movie, the one book. You've got this device, and she uses it to basically do homework. You've got oh, yeah. the ability to go back in time, can undo all kinds of things. Dumbledore gives it to her so she can do homework, and then you know one little thing at the end, like okay, crank that thing back a thousand times, kill Voldemort. Crank it back, you know. If you, there's so, but they've got it. It's like the Eagles, you know, in Lord of the Rings. It's there. It could solve so many problems, but we're not going to use it for that. And that just really frustrates me about that film. Yeah, I uh, used that one for my uh, my bad uh, use of time travel. Yeah. Which Did is, you? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I can give you another one. <laughs> well, not if it's going to take mine. Yeah, okay. maybe maybe at the end. At the end, yeah, give me a bonus. <laughs> did you do that one? I, I guess I did. Okay. That was my yeah, I know, I guess dumb I, use know. of time travel is to use it for homework. <laughs> oh, that's right. Uh, okay, my no. that's how hard it was to find it. It is, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, mine uh, is wow. Uh, I th- this one it's tough when you're doing one that is based off of technology that is used almost exactly perfectly as described in the book. Uh, and it works so, so poorly on screen. Uh, and that is, of course, uh, our data trafficker, uh, Johnny Mnemonic. Uh, the uh, movie, pretty much anything <laughs> involving the brain and, and his like trance-like state <laughs> when he's buffering data to get in the iPod in his brain uh, is, is just uh, terrible. The movie, um, uh, you know, falls apart. But really, the how the movie uses the brain stuff as a plot device is mostly just so we can get into this sort of B story emotional uh, line where he starts losing his more of his you know precious family memories, and it's it's just ends up terrible. Uh, the book, uh, the story, uh, it was included in Burning Chrome, which is a collection of all fantastic. Uh, William Gibson stories is absolutely where you start with this and then you stop. Uh, you don't you don't need to watch the movie at all, please. <laughs> the book is enough. If you really want to watch the movie, read the book again. You're welcome. There you go. Yeah. 
Well, I'm I'm for my final one. I'm going with one that actually is a movie I quite enjoy, and I even the technology, it's it's kind of cool technology. But you have to admit, when you step back and think about it, it's like this is this is what they came up with to figure all this out. It really is kind of a dumb system that they have. This is the uh, going back to Steven Spielberg again. This is Minority Report. <laughs> I think this is a great movie. But this is the system they have. So they've got three psychics lying in a pool that <laughs> that that they all think of something, uh, you know, like this future thought of somebody who's going to kill something. It appears on the TV screens overhead. And then what their little future system does is it, it you know, sends the signal down to this machine that carves it into a marble. <laughs> and then the marble comes rolling down the system. It's like a lottery drawing. It's like, who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? And then they pull the marble up and it's like, oh, look at that. It's like, this is this is what they do with it. It's like, wouldn't it be easier and quicker to just, hey, once that information is there, just pop it up on the screen. But no, let's do the marble roll because it looks really cool. So anyway, that's my final pick. <laughs> oh, yeah, but it, it looks cool. It, it, it looks does. really cool. It, 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 it really, yeah, it really does. And those marbles, You've... then you have a collection of criminals on marble. <laughs> Like that's that's valuable. Uh, that's, uh, those you can sell those on the, eBay. Yes, exactly. You can trade them, you know, with your <laughs> right. friends. Uh, uh, good, so what was list. what was this your other was, one, yeah. Steve? Yeah, what was your bonus, Steve? Oh, my bonus was um, <sighs> for, again from the nineties. Here's the, here's the sentence that introduces this: Why have one when you can have two for twice the price? Ah, uh, contact. Contact. Yes, we have this great scene where the machine is destroyed, and oh, magically our space flying, you know, billionaire has just <laughs> happened to build another one in Japan. <laughs> That's a great reveal, though. You have That's to admit. Right. That's right. Want to oh, take yeah, a ride? It is, but then you think about it, you're like, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Good oh, stuff. Good. All right. Well, there is our list uh, of, of uh, technologies filling holes in plots. Uh, what are we going to do this week uh, for our list? Oh, Star Trek Beyond. What are we going to do? We've got... Um, oh, boy. Let's think about this. Uh, you got well, the team splitting up. You got a lot of, you know, separation. You've got... Uh, well, we have actors that are uh, great actors uh, used in uh, such dense makeup that you can't tell who they are. <laughs> <laughs> to conceal yes. their identity. To conceal their identity, right. This is, yeah. uh, this is concealed identity acting. Um, I like it. it. I like it. Is it about sort of, you know, discovery of sort of the, the lost colony? type of thing of you out you know there's the 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 lost mission oh finding out like oh yeah. it's the it's the long lost that's yeah well, that could yeah, be interesting there's something there there is best space stations <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a pretty good one that would be fun any movie where chris pine rides a motorcycle i feel like we're missing the big one surfing movies <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Right in the big wave. <laughs> yeah. uh, movies uh, where drones are used as central uh, plot elements. Hmm. Mm, no, no love for that. Okay. No, All right. No, anything Anything no. sticking from what we've said already? I like the lost colony idea or just, you know, people stranded. I You know, there's, a, there's an interesting element we could pull with, you know, 
stories of 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 uh, missing people who have been stranded somewhere. Missing people stranded somewhere, lost colonies <laughs> included. Okay, there's a I thing. Think, I think we could do some interesting things there. Okay, Steve, are you in? Are you yeah, in I'm for in missing stranded people? And lost colonies <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> Say, somewhere. All right, there it is. Story: Movies of missing people stranded somewhere, lost colonies included. Excellent. Uh, lost colonies is a central plot device. <laughs> uh, nicely done, uh, gents. This is, uh, this is it was good. Thank you so much, everybody. Who's uh, as always downloading and listening to this show as Patreon supporters of the next reel. We sure appreciate it. And uh, you know what? You know what else you could do? You could tell your friends about this show. We would love to have uh, more of them and introduce them to what we're doing over at the next reel. Um, Andy already said we are doing uh, uh, Star Trek uh, Beyond, the last film. In our epic Star Trek series, the longest single series I think we have ever done. Absolutely. It's all of Star Trek, and now it is ending. And uh, Steve, what's coming up uh, on uh, Trailer Rewind? Well, if they if you haven't already, go check out the Miss Sloan episode that recently posted. Uh, but coming up next month, JJ and I are looking at an interesting little movie called False, which is about a, a cult deprogrammer that finds himself sort of in an interesting situation. Excellent. I haven't seen it yet, Andy. Did you ever see that? I don't remember whose pick that was either. I think it was mine, but uh, it still looks interesting to me. I've I've had it on my list for a while, so I'm definitely going to have to check it out soon since they're going to be talking about it soon. I know. Get it on the list. All right. Well, uh, this is great. And we have, I think our we've already mentioned it. We've got our, our next film board's coming up uh, uh, in a couple of weeks. Murder on the Orient Express. That's uh, That's the next one we're excited about. So maybe we're excited about it. Who knows? Uh, but there you go. <laughs> uh, th- that's it. That's it, folks. Thank you so much. Uh, we will uh, we'll catch you next weekend. Uh, happy uh, dishes. Hope you're enjoying doing your dishes because that's what you're supposed to do when you listen to the Saturday matinee. Bye, gents. Bye. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our Originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January, or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. (laughs) 